Hey everyone, and welcome into FCC Talk. I am here with our senior minister, Chris Gray, getting ready to talk to him about different news stories, things going on, ministry updates, obviously no politics, uplifting, good conversation that you would just like to listen to and deliver you a little bit of news of what's going on in the Christian world. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, John. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I know people have told me they appreciate you coming on out of your busy days, so uh, it's nice of you to make time for us. Well, thank you. Uh, it is uh, kind of a challenge, but we'll, we we get her done. There you go. Stick a mic in front of your face for half hour, 45 <laughs> minutes. And, and, and try to talk. And we'll try to talk, so... Uh, let's waste no time and we'll just get right on into it. Uh, today we have a few different things we're going to talk about. We kind of got a range today, okay? So our first thing on the docket is some biblical archaeology. There's some archaeological finds that have signs that happened in the Holy Lands where Chris was recently. So we'll ask Chris about some of uh, biblical archaeology and also just about his trip to the Holy Lands. We'll also get into some of responding to anti-Christian bias in the workplace. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we can do there. And then finally, we are going to hit a documentary that was released, I don't know how long ago it was, Chris, a year or two ago? Probably. Maybe. Um, about the Duggar family, and there have been some new updates on that. We're going to talk about that, but we'll probably end up just mostly talking about that documentary because Chris and I have both watched it. It's It's been a topic of conversation in our staff mm-hmm. meetings and stuff a few times. So if you haven't seen it, you'll learn a little bit about it from us. But let's just go ahead and get into it first thing, Chris. So there have been new discoveries that may change what we know about Jerusalem's Basilica and the new sepulcher. I know I'm pronouncing those Probably wrong, but uh, Chris was helping me out earlier. But anyway, so uh, basically in the Holy Lands, there are some new archaeological finds, and I'm not going to go into each and every little one and and talk about all those things, but I do want to talk to Chris about biblical archaeology and historical discoveries, uh, and just, Chris, how... How large of a role does biblical archaeology and those discoveries play uh, in your faith and in your belief um, that, you know, obviously the Bible is real, that Christ is real, all those things? Can you, can you talk to that about it? I think it's super fascinating that my impression going into Israel this last spring, one of the ideas that I had was that there has been archaeology going on all along in the life of the new nation of Israel since 1948, and not quite so much as what I expected. In fact, they make new archaeological st- uh, finds all the time in Israel, and the reason being that here we are almost a 100 years after they became a nation, but when you think about it, there was a lot to do when they became a nation in 1948. Uh, the idea of a government, an I. Uh, housing, uh, planting trees, just uh, just the superstructure or the infrastructure of government and society there in Israel had to occur. And so we were there in March, and in fact, there was a new dig going on. And I'm thinking, what, why, is there's a, why is there a new dig? Everything should have been dug up already, at least in Jerusalem. And that's not the case. All over Israel— there, there are discoveries all the time, and like the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Qumran com- community and some of those things, they're constantly finding things as they're excavating foundations, as they're doing new digs and new buildings. And, and we're talking about 
civilization uh, structures upon civilizations on structures mound on mound. And so you're looking at 40, 50, even 60 feet of dirt and earth over existing or pre-existing civilizations that they're still discovering. So that's that's fascinating. And for my faith, it's encouraging that they're finding a lot of things that support the Bible, which, you know, when people question the Bible, there are things that haven't been discovered that confirm things that they're questioning. And so the Bible is a real source for for archaeology, but also archaeological digs have always supported um, the Bible. It's just it's just fascinating, right? Yeah. And when did you go to the Holy Lands again, Chris? In March, March earlier, March of twenty twenty three, and it was a great experience. A great experience, much better than what I even ever expected. I would go back again if they were interested people to go again right i why well, i asked because it said on here that some of the work that they're talking about in this article which i'll link this article in the description if you would like to read it but uh some of the work that they found in the uh in this dig uh was in march of 2022 so mm-hmm. apparently they found some of the stuff mm-hmm. before you got there but it sounds like they were starting another dig at that time absolutely all over it's yeah. just fascinating in fact a lot of things are protected, digs are protected, and once they find something, then everything's all building stops, and they dig slowly and find and discover more things, especially in Jerusalem and especially on the Temple Mount. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that they were talking about that they found was actually a relic of the cross of Christ's crucifixion on the site. Now, I don't know how they know that it's, you know, the cross of Christ. It could just be mm-hmm. a standard cross. Um, I have no idea, but I'm sure since they're writing this, there's obviously some kind of evidence that mm-hmm. I've maybe just read over or they're not going to detail about. However, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff to me is always very interesting to show that, yes, they, what the Bible talks about took place here. And that's really what we find in biblical archaeology more often than right. not. I took an archaeology class when I was at KCU, and some of it was super boring. I'll be honest, okay? <laughs> but some of it was really interesting as well. And this is one thing that I actually found a little bit interesting, um, that they, when they find items in that, that are referenced in the Bible or they find something that's referenced in the Bible mm-hmm. that goes and dates back to a certain time period to show, yeah, it's actually accurate. The Bible is dating it this way, and it's actually accurate. Absolutely. Uh, So now we're not just looking at proof that this did actually happen, but proof that the Bible is speaking about it happening at the right time, too, which is huge, you know? Um, And and it makes a big difference for those people who want to try and, you know, discredit the Bible or say the Bible is not true, because there are so many of these finds uh, that I mean, wouldn't you say it makes it almost almost impossible to disprove the Bible, Chris? Right. Well, we've got to remember that the Bible, is, well, Christianity and Judaism, they are historical faiths mm-hmm. that actually occurred in time and in space. Therefore, the archaeology is going to support biblical truth and right. history. And so if you're a student of the Bible, you re- really are a history nut in right. in. in I mean, because it all took place in history, in a timeline, at certain times, at certain locations that actually existed. It's not myth, in other words.
Right. Yeah. It's it's all very interesting. You know, obviously we read the Bible in such a way that we get teaching out of it and we get, you know, moral advice mm-hmm. and we learn the character of God and all of those things are awesome. Um, but even like you said, even if you're just reading the Bible, you know, for your own faith, you're, you are reading history. You're mm-hmm. reading what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe for some of us that comes easier than others. Uh, I, for myself, I've always enjoyed history, so I don't have a problem with it. But I know some people that they don't really like history. <laughs> right. Know, they weren't right. history buffs uh, back in the day. So a uh, qu- quick question before we move on from this, Chris. Um, just in your opinion, should every Christian at some point in their life visit the Holy Lands? If you have the opportunity and that's a desire of your heart, it really wasn't a desire of my heart to go to Israel. Uh, in fact, one of our church people asked me if I'd ever thought about it, and I said, actually, no. And so then we organized a group in 2020, actually 2019, and then we canceled in 2020, and we finally went with a few people in 2023. So yes, if you have the opportunity, you have the desire, it's a great experience, and I would encourage people to do that. But you don't have to do that. Right. It's not a, it's not, it's a pilgrimage, but it's not, you don't get extra credit. We're saved by grace through faith. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's just something good to do. Yeah. And would you say it strengthened your faith? It, it, I don't know that it strengthened. It was just inspirational in the sense of going places and, and seeing things that you've read about all your life and studied about. And it was fascinating, like the King's Highway and Tel Megiddo where uh, Armageddon is supposed to take place, uh, was just beautiful. And, and you could see forever uh, the Dead Sea, Jor- the Jordan River, uh, the Sea of Galilee, just some of those places, uh, uh, Caesarea Philippi Maritime, uh, uh, the Decapolis, the cities of Decapolis and their Roman structures and the archaeology just uh, made the Bible more real from that sense. And what's amazing is, of course, we have pictures in our minds of, of the way we imagine it. Right. And uh, we, I was a little concerned that it wouldn't be like the way we imagine it, or it would be so modern that, that it would lose impact. Uh, and Jerusalem, like the way of the cross, kind of was like that with the merchants and everything around. But but in reality, those places like what I was mentioning, uh, Simon Peter's house, uh, Bethsaida, those type of things. Uh, sermon I was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount just before uh, we went to Israel, and so I was actually at the location where they think the Sermon on the Mount was, and so that was fascinating for me and just made it more real. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Great experience. That's Great what experience. I have always thought about going is like, I feel like it would just make everything more real to to, mm-hmm. to walk the land that Jesus walked right. and to be in the town right. that Jesus, you know, w- was in. And uh, yeah, it just it sounds amazing. From Galilee to Nazareth, where Jesus was, there was only one way to go. And it wasn't a scheduled stop, but we got to go the way of the doves and see. And so we were standing where Jesus obviously had had to walk. And so we knew that for a fact. That's one of the few places where we really, really knew kind of that this is the only way they had to go. And so some of those type of experiences were were cool uh, and unexpected uh, that, 
I, I enjoyed it so much that I I could understand somebody, one, one of the guys had been there nine times. And I'm thinking, why in the world would you go to Israel nine times? Well, I would go again just so other people could experience it and I could help serve them as, as going. Right. Uh, do I need to go again? No. But but if it would if you wanted to go and it would make you more comfortable in going, if somebody like me would go with you, right. then that would be a great opportunity for me to just minister to people as they experience that yeah. and answer questions because people had all kinds of questions. And obviously, if you study the Bible, you know why these places and locations were important. But a lot of people didn't recognize what the, where they were standing and why it was so important. It was significant. Those were significant places. In uh, I'm sure life. there were times where you were staying in a certain spot and you, just, you know, got chills or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, it's amazing. So, all right, well, let's move on to our next topic. Our next topic is being able to respond to coworkers. This deals mostly with coworkers, but really anybody who thinks Christianity is bigoted. Okay, so the Gospel Coalition. I know, you know I love the Gospel Coalition. They put together this article that answers the question: How do I respond when a coworker angrily disparages Christianity as hateful and bigoted? So. Chris, I know you probably don't have too many coworkers who think that uh, Christianity is hateful and bigoted. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't think right. me or Dan right. or anybody thinks that. However, I do know that you have been obviously involved in the community uh, a number of ways. You you serve on the Y board, uh, and you and you have worked on your houses in your lifetime as well. Mm-hmm. Just the tons of different ways. Um, have you ever experienced any kind of rejection of your faith like this? You know, if you have, how did you react? Um, what 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 happened, or, or do you have any examples? Well. I think until people know you, then they are suspicious of you, and also they talk a lot of Christianese around me, especially once they find out that I'm a, a pastor or a preacher. Right. And so most of the time, I don't let people know what I do until I have to let them know what I do. But I try to be, I try to love them and and to serve them the best way I can mm-hmm. to be kind but also candid and assertive in the sense of uh, leading and or in conversation. I don't hide opinions. Uh, I don't go political very often. In fact, I avoid that aspect of Christianity or uh, of politics in blending Christianity with that. But I, I try to lead with love and kindness, but also just being myself and being relaxed with them. And so if somebody would the the most I've ever experienced is that you know in in a school as I was doing youth ministry and campus life on a school campus you know talking about separation of church and state and uh, that that law or that part of the constitution was basically to protect the church and its freedoms from the state not the state from the church and so us being present you know take us or leave us, but we're here to, to love and serve and represent Christ. And so a lot of times you, you need to get to the point where they're talking about their past and their baggage. And a lot of times I apologize in the name of the church for how they've been treated or how they perceived us as Christians. And there's, there's all kinds of perceptions, but 
to be bigoted, no, to live a biblical, uh, in the way of Jesus, life, like I, I was preaching in, in the Better Series, right. that's what we want to do. We're not here to condemn, we're here to love and help and minister and raise up Jesus Christ, because people typically love Jesus, they don't like the church very much, and you know, if you're a Christian, church is a pretty important place to us, it's right. a family. Right, for sure, yeah, and I think, um, you know, oftentimes, the, the thing you said there about people with their past and their hurt, um, oftentimes if somebody has has been hurt by a church or has been hurt by somebody who did go to church, mm-hmm. you know, in obviously varying of ways, there are some people that the hurt is massive, and there's some people that, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't as big, but it was still big to them, um, they can obviously then say, well, this is how every church is, or this is how every right. church person is, um, when in reality, we just have to do our best to show them that, you know, no, this is not how every person is, and maybe that person that treated you poorly isn't, that's not even who they are, mm-hmm. they just had a moment of, you know, treating somebody incorrectly mm-hmm. um or maybe being frustrated or maybe being tired you know mm-hmm. i can't imagine you're ever tired on a sunday morning and <laughs> maybe right. regret the way you've reacted to something before right, right chris right. I, mean, I i've done it before right. um and so it, it it is kind of a difficult thing to do um the article goes through five different points here and i'll just read them off for you really fast I'll, again i'll link this in the description for you but it says listen with humility which i think is a great point uh denounce unchristian likeness this is a really good point i want to go into in just a second affirm christ number four seek common ground and then number five be a counterpoint right mm-hmm. and that's all about living out that counterpoint right. in them um about a few months ago i did a truth tuesday all about um explaining how i can still have faith even with the failures of christianity and i just basically said when somebody brings up the failures of christianity whether that be uh, an encounter they had at a church whether that be somebody who talks about you know the crusades back mm-hmm. in the day or whatever it might be mm-hmm. that they want to bring up um i just you know i i i basically just tell them that's not what jesus taught you know, mm-hmm. that, that, yes, that person may have had a Christian label, but they were not acting the way a Christian should act. Mm-hmm. And I don't try to tell the other person, I'm sure you've, you know, acted a way that you're not proud. You know, I don't try to attack that person. I just try to say, at the end of the day, they did not act the way that Jesus mm-hmm. had them t- to act. And so, even though, yes, those were actions of a Christian, um, that doesn't define every single Christian out there, just like I don't think one decision by somebody in a people group should define any people group. Do you have any thoughts on that, Chris? I just think there needs to be some honesty and authenticity. And and typically, when people bring those things up, I I will agree with them because I don't like those aspects of Christianity or that aspect of uh, the way that Christian is acting or responding, but that's not all Christians, and that is not the way Jesus lived or mm-hmm. the way Jesus loved, and and so, and that's who we're to be to, about because otherwise we're we're never going to be Christ to everyone perfectly because we're sinful, fallible human beings, right. and and people have to understand that, but at the same time. We're to be loving, humble, 
caring servants who have a common purpose to, to live the best life that we can for Christ and to help others. Right. And sometimes it might feel like when you are trying to be that servant, when you are trying to be that person who is loving, it might feel like you're not getting anywhere, right? right. It might feel like, well, am I, is any of this actually doing right. anything? This person continues to, you know, badmouth my faith or badmouth, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Um, well, the I mean, I think the Bible is pretty clear that when you have enemies, especially enemies of the faith, mm-hmm. you pray for them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, that is one of the most important things we can do when we encounter somebody who does have a negative view about our faith, uh, especially who is pouring it onto us, is that we are willing to pray for that person. And if that person ever does encounter, Mark was talking about this the other day in staff meeting, if that person ever does encounter a hardship of life, right? Uh, the loss of a loved one, uh, financial struggle, anything that, that really can bring them down, you know, we try our very best to be there for them through mm-hmm. that, uh, regardless of how they've treated us in the past, because we're not called to get even, we're called to get people to heaven. <laughs> right. And a lot of times I, I just want to get curious, I want to listen, yeah. and I want to hear where they're at and why they are approaching Christianity or myself in that manner. Mm-hmm. What you know? Have you had a bad day? What's going on? Uh, what has caused you to feel this way? And help me understand. Right, right. All right. Our last topic of conversation. I guess not our very last one because we'll have some other stuff here in a minute. But our, I guess our last news story here. Uh, Jill Duggar Dillard. Okay. So if you don't know the Duggar family, obviously they've had some some drama lately. Mm-hmm. The, was it the oldest son, Chris, who he got uh, in trouble for um, some child pornography and things like that, right, and some right. some just you know really really gross stuff that no person should should have on their hands. Um, however, you know this he did have that, and obviously now more is coming out about the Duggar family. There's right. a documentary called Shiny Happy People that right. was released on Amazon. Uh, the if you've seen it, the lady, uh, the blonde haired lady, um, who was in the family, her name is Jill. Uh, this is about her and. And the title of the article is Jill Duggar Dillard says her father treats her worse than her pedophile brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's almost appropriate that we just got done talking about how people get hurt uh, through church or faith mm-hmm. uh, and, and those things. Because if you've watched Shiny Happy People, um, that's essentially what happened in that entire documentary mm-hmm. is somebody you know, was not treated correctly. And it's a failure of Christianity, the way she was treated. Um, but but she was not treated correctly. And so obviously she is hurt. Um, there were things that went on with, with their show back in, um, I forget what the show was called. Was it like the Duggar show or something? Yeah, like the that? Duggar family. The Duggar family show. Uh, and just a whole lot of drama that we can't get into all of it here. But if you want to watch the the documentary you can do so it's not pro christianity so just be ready for that right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um but anyway just chris this this whole situation here um and everything going on what is your response to the duggar family the shiny happy people kind of what was your whole thought process around that documentary and the family everything going on there well as i watched it part of my history and our family history was impacted by some of the same things that the Duggar family was in the 80s. Um, the in, in, 
uh, International Basic Life Principles, IBLP, and Bill Gothard had an influence on my life, not to the extreme of the Duggars, but but this whole homeschool movement, very conservative, very formulaic Christianity, and the how-tos drew a lot of people that were anxious about parenting, raising family, and cultural influences on their children and how they could avoid it. And so then, again, we kind of swing to the far right extreme, and not not that it's wrong, but uh, the Duggar family was kind of in that in that mode mm-hmm. and in that mode there are some abuses and some over uh overkill in in relationship that uh was really kind of it, it disheartening and disappointing right. because there were a lot of positive things that occurred at the same time right and so when shiny happy people and the Duggar family was on TV I didn't even watch a reality show because I just that just didn't appeal to me because right. it reminded me of some things and and uh, and the impact in my life. And I saw some extremes and some abuses in that area, even as I was trying to glean out the truth and what was usable for our lives and family that would be positive. And and so and then to see the demise and the discreditation of Christianity because of uh, some of the abuses that occurred in that situation. Right. Uh, that that is kind of what I was watching occur. Of course, you know, when you put your family on TV, and I, I, I can't even remember the name of the show that the Duggars was in. Some of you probably remember that. But uh, then you put the spotlight on this extreme uh, roles and extreme um, lifestyle, which was a interesting and fascinating for people that, that were viewing, but not a real representative of uh, Christ, the way of Christ in mm-hmm. Christianity. It was a, a lot of man's tradition, a lot of um, formulas, and a lot of things that were more uh, man-made than they right. were, thus saith the Lord, you have to do it this way. Right, and Shaley and I kind of talked about that a little bit. Last week, because we were talking a little bit about homeschooling, private schooling, public schooling a little bit, um, because we talked about how some colleges are, uh, Christian colleges are uh, increasing their enrollment right now, which is really interesting. However, we talked a lot about how, like, you know, in a lot of these areas, there is not any biblical you know, mandate for us to do a certain thing when it comes to schooling. There's not a certain mandate on what we should do, so we just kind of have to be wise and make the best decisions we can, especially what works for our families. And I think in this situation, you know, the Duggars kind of, I don't want to say they found what worked for their family, because obviously not everything turned out perfect for them, but they, you know, sounds like they were trying to do the best they could. I don't know. I don't know the Duggars or anything like that. But um, they basically became these examples for everybody to follow to say hey you need to do everything just like us a b c and d um and then obviously that came with scrutiny that came with judgment uh not only on the parents but then that also came to the children as well um and just you know when i got done watching the documentary um i wasn't happy i wasn't sad i didn't really know how to feel i just felt like you know mm-hmm. this was a story of a family that became broken 
Right. You know? Well, it started out as a reality show, 19 Kids and Counting right. is the name of the show okay. that they were on. And then as that played out and and the family disintegrated and some of the values weren't lived out, and which just always, always occurs in every Christian family. We live the values to the best of our ability by the grace of God through the Spirit of God, but we're always going to have fa- what failure. Right. But, but in this, with the spotlight on in this extreme way of life with 19 kids, I can't imagine. And, and so, and then the breakup of that family and the divorce and everything that occurred with it is kind of a heartbreaking situation. But right. again, it's a reality show and how much of it is true and how much is spin, you really can't, you really don't know. Right. Uh, that's the thing too is, you know, one of the things that felt like the documentary was trying to get at was, you know, homeschooling bad, don't homeschool your children. Mm-hmm. And it came back to, you know, like you said, you lived in that era and you, and you know, obviously your kids weren't homeschooled, right? right. They, they were right. the cornerstone, right. uh, but you still tried to live out some of these principles right. of, you know, uh, what was typically taught back then. And even me, I was homeschooled in the early 2000s, you know, I was homeschooled in the mm-hmm. 90s. Um, and you know, I'm I'm watching this thing about IBLP and Bill Gothard, and I'm saying to myself, I had never heard <laughs> anything about this, right. and that's apparently when all this stuff went on. So, right. you know, they it it's difficult because obviously the you know more about wanting to have a stereotype, wanting to say, oh, this is bad, just right. kind of like how the Duggars were trying to say, oh, do exactly what we were doing. Right. At the end of the day, a lot of these things, there is no. 100 correct foolproof way i think that's why the bible talks so much about wisdom and just making good decisions and having a heart for god and what may work for some people as they follow christ in their family may not be it's not of this saith the lord and god gives us general instructions in regard to family and in marriage and some things like that that are this saith the lord and then the other working out of it and how you uh, teach your children and how you raise your children and whether you homeschool or go to Christian school or public school is a matter of choice and right. of your own conviction and where the way the Lord is leading you. And so every family at that point is uh, different and, and their way of doing things, if it's not uh, contrary to the Word of God, is their choice. And as I've told tell our staff and members of our church, everybody has every parent has the right to screw up their kid in their own way. And 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 I say that not saying that parents are intending to to screw up their kids. It's just that they're everybody I think wants to do their best to take care and raise their ch- children in a godly way as possible. And that doesn't mean that all all of us take the same path or go the same way because ultimately it comes down to the parents and their devotion to Christ and their upbringing, their children. And if that's a consistent pattern of living and loving and following Jesus, those kids are going to love Jesus too. Right, right. And that's the thing too is that, you know, it's God who works on 
the child's heart. It's God who works on every single right. person's heart. We we don't need to take all of that pressure onto ourselves and say, right. you know, the only way my child is ever going to become a Christian is if I do everything right. right. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to do everything right. I found right. that out pretty quick in parenting. Uh, did you, did <laughs> yeah. you figure that one out? I found that out during the pregnancy that I don't do everything right. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and I think the thing is, it shouldn't be fear or anxiety driven. It should be love driven and... Yes lived out authentically and that means mistakes and all you know to say hey you know i made made a mistake or i overreacted or i should have done this and love that child and uh, hold that child accountable and discipline that child in love and correct them because you love them i i think you know and have a devotion have a devotion to christ and his church and live that example out i don't think you can lose on that yeah no, I, I agree. If your heart is for Christ, that's what's most important. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I think the scripture is clear that God looks at us for our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, He looks and sees where our hearts out. What do they yearn for? Uh, and just last quick point: um, if you've never done it before, read through the entire book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 31, or is it 30? There are 30 or 31. 31. 31. That's right, because pro- you know, probably 31 women. Uh, there are 31 chapters. In Proverbs, okay? Take one chapter each day of one month and just go ahead and read through it. And I, I promise you, you will learn so much about wisdom. I try to do that at least once a year. And every single time, I am astounded with what I learn, what I take away. Um, and that's the thing about Proverbs and wisdom is it's not, hey, you know, you should do this in your life. A lot of it is very metaphorical. A lot of it is very open-ended, so you mm-hmm. can kind of decide. I mean, there's literally a verse in there that says it's better to eat vegetables with good people than to have steak by yourself, you know? Yep. I mean, yep. you can take that a numerous number of ways, <laughs> you know? But it, essentially, you know, it's it's speaking in such a way that it's kind of open-ended mm-hmm. and applies to your life. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, any more thoughts on that before we move on, Chris? Nope. All right. Our last uh, two things. Uh, next one is: What are you eating? What are you watching? What are you reading? Anything new uh, in your life, Chris? That you're eating, watching, or reading? Reading a book called "Leveling Up" with a group of ministers here in town, and it's by I, I can't remember Kent something, and it's just interesting. It's a leadership book. I'm reading "Crucial Conversations" again, which is about uh, conflict management when when stakes are high and conversations are difficult how do we how do we address those kind of concerns um not watching a lot of movies right now pretty busy in general and what am i eating yeah, is there I'm, I'm overeating. <laughs> I'm overeating everything. Is, are there any new I need... fall foods that you're having with fall coming? Up? Oh my! We had chili I'm looking, the other I'm night. Look, yeah, so. I like chili. I like broccoli and cheese soup. Oh, yeah. I like soups. Um, I, I'm trying to get back into running. I'd like to run a couple days a week. I, I I have an exercise class that I do a couple days a week, and I'd like on the other days to run. Mm-hmm. I don't know, th- two or three miles. Get up to three to five miles every every, you know do like uh one three five mile and right. then go two four six the next week and then go back and just kind of yeah. a few miles yeah. just to kind of good goal de-stress and lose some weight and get a little bit healthier yeah that's, that's the goal. goal um that's it all right very good yeah uh for me just football 
you know, it's fall time, so I'm watching football. Nothing else really going on other than that, and I'm not reading anything right now because I'm just watching so much football that, uh, you know, I, I'm i not a huge reader. Normally, when I have something I want to learn, I, I watch a video on YouTube yeah. or I listen to a yeah. podcast or something like yeah. that. Uh, I know most ministers are really big readers, but, you yeah. know, uh, I like to watch Mike Williams. I read a so. lot. I read a lot. In, well, and a lot of it's in pertaining to uh, preaching right. and sermons, but... I just like, I, I read a lot Yeah, daily. Well, one more thing before we get out of here, Chris, is there a Bible verse that you have been uh, thinking about recently or just something that's kind of impacted your heart? I know you've obviously been preaching a lot, so uh, mm-hmm. you might be uh, regurgitating something that you've preached, but anything that just been on your heart lately? Well, it's interesting. I, Chris, we're deep into the Rooted series right now. And this week, I'm preaching about suffering and just have been fascinating with the concept of uh, joining Christ in suffering and how that is a part of our lives. For all of us, we will have trouble in this life. And in this life, you will have trouble, but never fear. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. And so, in addressing suffering in the human condition, that's that's something that I've been thinking about this week. Yeah, um, Romans eight chapter uh, Romans chapter eight verses seventeen through eighteen says, "In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs to God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us." later mm-hmm. uh yeah that that's always been the connection for me is you know as we share in christ's suffering mm-hmm. we will also share in his glory someday with him uh and that's you know at the end of the day that is what we look forward to as christians mm-hmm. uh, more than anything this life is is a blessing uh you know we have loved ones we have our families we have uh so many things that god has blessed us with but in reality None of this will ever compare to what we will have uh, with Christ someday um, in, in when we are united with him uh, in heaven. So, any more thoughts, Chris? Not at all. All right. Thanks so much for joining us on FCC Talk. Thanks to Chris for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.